you'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees, $19.99 tech gear shorts for me, and Toastmaster kitchen gadgets for less than $10. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks, because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. Welcome back for another episode of the Mavs Fans for Life podcast. We have a very special episode today. We have another guest lined up as we've been doing for the last couple months. Uh, we have none other than Julie Dobbs, the the female CEO of the ticket. Uh, and joining as always is my co-host Michael Terrazas. And when we have big, big local guests on, we bring the whole team on. So we have the owner of the site Landon on and we have the lead writer who recaps all the games on the blog, uh, Isaiah Nunez. How are you doing, Julie? I'm doing well. I I'm a, I don't know that I'm a big guest, but I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're all here to chat with me. And I feel like I have to correct that technically it's the CEO of the hang zone. Yeah, I don't know if I'm CEO yeah, of the whole ticket. I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm working my way up, <laughs> working my way up to be CEO of the entire station. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, hey, you, you'll you'll get there eventually. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll you'll usurp all of someday, Kino's someday. The CEO title that really means nothing. That's what my specialty. <laughs> is. Well, uh, well, we wanted to bring Julie on because uh, obviously she's she's one of the personalities at the biggest sports station in Dallas. So she's she's talking all things Dallas every day uh, during the week and. Uh, she's also one, one of one of the favorites of of the ticket. Um, my mom personally has become quite the P one over the years, Aww. and, and I, I will say you are one of you are probably her favorite. So uh, I, I did need to shout out my mom first. So shout out to your mom. Tell her thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. I feel like maybe more and more like women, moms, wives are starting to listen. Um, 
I don't know. I, now that I listen, obviously now that I work there, I listen all the time, but I'm like, this stuff is like hilarious for anybody. It's not just dudes. Like you turn someone on to the ticket and they're going to love it. Like they've just got to give it, give it a chance. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's how, that's how it, that's how it is with anyone. And my mom tries to tell my sister to listen and she, and she's like kind of iffy on it, but my mom's like, no, you have to, you'll love it. But yeah, I guess that's a good segue into one of the first things I wanted to ask you about is uh, we want to, I wanted to talk a little bit about like you at the ticket first before we jump into some app stuff. But I was curious, like talk a little bit about your uh, transition into the ticket and just how interesting that was, because I mean, you're the first, you're the first uh, like significant female presence at the ticket. To my knowledge, unless I'm forgetting someone, but yeah, I, like, can you talk about that transition? Because I mean, you've obviously cemented yourself as like a pretty like key personality that all the guys seem to gravitate to. So just talk about that transition. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I worked um, for almost 10 years in TV before I went to the ticket. So I, I started out with the Dallas Cowboys and I was like the reporter for the team for all of their shows that were on the affiliate stations at the time. And then worked at Fox Sports Southwest for a really long time, mostly covering the Dallas stars, especially in the end. So my point being is like, I was always surrounded by men always Um, outside of, I mean, it it started, I guess in college, once they even started like the sports specialty at Mizzou Um, that's probably when it happened. And so I, didn't really notice it as being anything different or like anything out of the norm. That's just kind of what I knew. Um, And so once I went to the ticket, that was like the headline, right? It's like a girl's here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's a a female working at the ticket. This has to be so weird and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't, to me, it was just another job working in sports because that's just what I was used to. Um, And everybody there just from the beginning was like, I, I mean, and they've admittedly said, like, even the guys, you know, on the hang zone that I work with the most, Dan and Jake, like, they both kind of said they were nervous at first. They didn't know what to expect. Can we still joke about the things we joke about? Or is she going to, like, be on our ass? Can I cuss? Um, <laughs> about everything, you know, all of our inappropriate jokes, that kind of thing. Um And I think they learned after a little while that like, I didn't care about any of it. Like it was also unique for me because at that point in my career, like my dream job was like to do TV and to do sideline reporting and like, you know, Aaron Andrews kind of thing. And I kind of had a point where I realized I'd rather just stay in Dallas. And if it's going to be radio, it's going to be radio. So I didn't, I didn't really care about anything that happened. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm here for fun at this point. Like nothing's really going to rattle me if I, whatever, like we're just having fun. And I think once they realized that um, they realized that it was all going to be okay. And, uh, and it's been great. I formed a relationship with pretty much all of them now, even the guys that I don't work on the shows with and, They've all just been awesome and welcoming. And honestly, I think they were excited for something different and uh, some sort of like breath of fresh air, if you will, or or just somebody and something different to, to focus on. And I've just been total, you know, dork and provided them with tons of drops. (laughs) So I think they like that part of it too. So, so we're just taking it and running with it and pretty much having fun now. 
Yeah, it's all, yeah. You, I mean, I feel like that's a requirement. If you're at the ticket, you have to be able to provide some some drop content for them. <laughs> like remembering when we had sports. Yes, remember. <laughs> remember when we had sports. Thankfully, they're all back now. But yeah, that that whole like phenomenon was new to me because they're all like freaking out if you say something silly or whatever. I'm like, I'm just talking. Like, what's the big deal? They're like, No, you're making drops. I was like whatever you know because I was a p1 but not a hardcore p1 I didn't really understand at all now I do I'm like half the things I say I know are going to be drops but I'm just being myself <laughs> yeah absolutely that's I, that is what kind of makes the ticket special too I'm getting my cat uh, off the table sorry get down <laughs> okay well uh I, I, I said it, you had I, I believe you had a, a ticket related question for Julie yeah yeah you pretty much answered that first question um well my second question is um can you describe what it's like to be on the radio for those that want to make it a career? Because I I was on the radio from the the um, University of Texas at, at Arlington, and I was on the radio team, and I get to cover sports and call games on the radio. And I sh- I just want you to describe you know what's it like to be on the radio. You know what does it take? You know you know the board outing and all, all that stuff. Yeah. Um... It is, it's totally different than anything else that I've ever done. Um, What's interesting about the ticket and radio, it's like everything you say is live. Everything you say is going out on the air to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, And nowadays it's completely different with social media. So anything you say, you might hear feedback on immediately. and that is something that is, is different than anything I've ever done in my life. And it's different just now in the past few years. And so I don't think I realized, and this goes for TV too, but like you have to have a thick skin. It's like, I'm just here showing up doing my job, but you have to have a thick skin because people are going to weigh in with their opinions and not all of them are nice. Um, So that aspect of it is something that I wasn't really, I guess, prepared for. But what I love about radio is that it is just 100% like being yourself. It's just talking. It's just talking with your friends. It's having fun. Um, And I love that aspect of it. And I can see why people want to get into radio and why they become addicted to radio once they do get into it, because you really do feel like you have these really good friends that you're working with as well as everybody listening. You know, it's crazy because you don't know everybody listening, but um, you feel like you have all these friends, especially, especially when they do give you the feedback. So it's not all negative social media. Like if someone I'll tell a story and someone replies and they're like, Oh, this exact same thing happened to me. Or like I mentioned today that I called um, Andy Roddick or I called information when I was in high school to try to get Andy Roddick's number, <laughs> like someone immediately replied and they're like, Oh yeah, I had a crush on Lindsay Lohan. I tried to look her number up in the phone book. And it's like this person that I've never met, but here we are like laughing with each other, you know? So it's just fun. It's, I, I didn't get any of that with TV. Um, so it's a really fun career to get into. It's really hard to get in and stay in. It's hard to get up to like a level where you're actually like making a decent, income as as we've all heard we all talk about there it's a joke you know that a lot of people don't make any money besides the the 
main hosts. Um, so it's something it's like not for the faint of heart, if you will, but it's a lot of fun. And especially if you're doing play by play, the kind of thing you're talking about, um, that's a really cool job, you know, play by play and like following a team day to day ins and outs. You almost get to be a piece of that team without being an athlete. Um, then, uh, I think that part's really fun too. Now, now you also had a, uh, now you also do your own, your own podcast as well with, uh, the great Emily Jones. Yeah. Emily, yeah. So, uh, Lando had a question about that. Yeah, so uh, the Mom Game podcast, um, obviously we've been talking about TV, so if, if you've seen the Rangers game, you know who Emily Jones is. Um, so give us the background of how the Mom Game podcast started. Was that you? Was that Emily? Was that combined effort? Um, how did that um, unfold? Yeah, um, this was all my idea. <laughs> um once I started working in radio, so I, I had a long career in TV and I loved interviewing athletes um, and just kind of making that connection with athletes and, and also making that connection with fans of the game that I was covering. Um, once I went to the ticket, I was really enjoying doing radio and just kind of talking for a living. But, you know, I'm in like a more minor role there. It's still a pretty pretty big role, but it's, I'm not one of the main hosts. Um, so I was just kind of thinking, what could I do to where I can be interviewing athletes again and maybe hosting like more of my own show instead of like being on other people's show shows. Um, and I also saw a need for, you know, there's a lot of females that listen, um, and females are totally welcome to listen to the ticket. And I think they can still really enjoy it, but there isn't anything directed towards females that love sports and males yeah. who love sports, you know, and, and we don't mean to like isolate dudes by any means, because a lot of the stuff we talk about, I think males would appreciate. Um, anyway, I just felt like there was a need for that. So I reached out to Emily because Emily and I worked together for, you know, 10 years at Fox sports Southwest. Um, and, uh, she was game. I knew that she was kind of entrepreneurial. She's done a few things on her own. She's like written children's mm-hmm. books and started a couple businesses and, and she was down with it. And we've just had so much fun. We've, we've, it was a, a fit. Our personalities mesh really well. Um, and we've had on some big name guests because we both have been in this industry for a long time and have made some uh, relationships. So we're utilizing those connections you know, like we had on Mike Madonna, that was so cool for me talking to him about like being a dad yes, of five. Had on Ian Kinsler, um, which was so fun. Adrian Beltre, Tyler Sagan, and then we have had a lot of the guys from the ticket on. It's fun to get oh, them wow. kind of out of their day to day, you know, comfort zone and come in and sit in between two women. And now we get to fire the questions at them and make them feel uncomfortable. Um, so it's just been fun. I love that there's no rules. I love that we can talk about whatever we want, really be ourselves. And I feel like that's kind of the way media is going. Now people want to hear more of that kind of entertainment thing. Um, they just want to be entertained. They just want to laugh. And then when we can bring in some pro athletes to talk about all those things with us, it's even better. So it's been really fun. We're a year in and I think uh, have a, a lot ahead of us. We're hoping to really grow the show. That's awesome. you, know, 
That's a good thing that you're speaking about, you know, radio, podcasting. And I mean, you're right when you said earlier about, you know, how this podcasting thing is becoming more of a hobby for most people. And I mean, you're you're not wrong at all, Julie. I mean, yeah, the, the, you got to have thick skin in, in the game. I'm I'm like in a completely different market than Dallas, but I'm a huge Dallas fan, but I'm in an indie market and those fans can be very annoying a lot. And you could just put an opinion out there and you just get attacked for it. And I'm just like, I'm not reporting. I'm not right. that. Like we're all entitled to our opinion. Yeah, we're all entire entitled to it. And being able to build relationships with people you grew up watching, but just sitting there and saying, Wow, this is just a regular father, a regular husband, wife, mother, like these right. are just regular people. And it's a beautiful side of the industry, but I, you were talking about, you know, uh, getting with Emily and speaking on women. My question for you is as a woman in sports, what challenges have you had to face where, how, how, wherever the journey was in, in your career and still going? Um, I think that the number one challenge is that you're kind of always being scrutinized more than the men. Um, you know, especially if I'm talking about something sports related, obviously. Um, so I think that's been the number one thing to, that's always been on my mind. Um, like guys, you know, they can screw up or whatever that just kind of blends in. If I mispronounce a name or say something like that, it, it's a glaring mistake. And I feel like, especially being on the ticket, like the only female on the ticket, like people are kind of, anytime I, I, I speak, it stands out, which is why I probably have a bunch of drops. Like I just sound different from them to begin with. So, um, people are kind of waiting for you to say something or to screw something up. And I don't, I feel like men in the industry don't have that. Um, so that's, that's one challenge, but I've also learned to say, who cares? (laughs) Like I've also learned to say like, I'm just going to be me. If we mess up, we mess up. The guys mess up, no big deal. And if I want to be kind of accepted as one of them, then I don't need to look at myself any different than them. I just, am going to do my thing um, and see where it takes me. And if people don't like it, that's fine. Like, but I can't really, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just, I'm just being myself. Um, But yeah, I would say that's just been the number one challenge that you have to overcome is just kind of the scrutiny that you get being a woman that you don't necessarily get if you're a man, because it is a male dominated industry. I, I, I mean, this is one of the most annoying topics to me, in my opinion, when people talk about, and, and you're right. Like some guys, some people are just sitting back on the TV and they're just waiting for yeah. you to mess something up. And then they'll just point out, see, look, she don't know anything. Like, right. come on, like kind of like Joy Taylor at Fox, like, she grew up in sports. Her brother was an all pro defensive player. She knows the game. She knows sports. She's pretty educated. She's yeah. pretty educated woman. My whole thing is I don't, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, if you're passionate about this, number one, you have to love what you're doing, but I'm not asking you to come in here and do X's and O's. Just, right. just do what you love. And you're going to mess up. You're going to have tongue slips. You're going to have do all that, but don't scrutinize someone who first off probably is better at it than you. And trust me, you are better than a lot of people. But <laughs> I mean, that's been my biggest thing when it comes to women in sports. I don't like how yeah. we have a double standard. I mean, just 
just let her live her life. She has a job just like you. She put right. it just like you. She went to college just like you. She loves it just like you. Just let her do her thing. There you go. I like it. That's a good pep talk for everybody out there. Uh, I think it helps too. Like there's more and more women in sports, right? Like you turn on ESPN now, but it's like half and half. So I think that will help, especially, you know, the next generation, people growing up that see that maybe they won't think it's weird. Like the only difference is that we probably didn't play the sport, but a lot of the dudes didn't either, (laughs) you know, like very true. you do have the analysts that, that did, but a lot of people that talk about it didn't play the sport. So Um, I think that is changing. I'm seeing more and more, like when I first got into it, there weren't as many, but now there are. So hopefully that's all, you know, going in the right direction. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the clip, it kind of went viral on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago, but you know, I'm like the NBA. So there's the big NBA on TNT show with Shaq, Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson, all those guys. And uh, sometimes they'll like have like sub crews in like with Shaq and uh, Candace Parker and uh, and D Wade were, were on with them. And they were, somehow some debate came up. And I remember it went viral because like Candace Parker was just talking circles around Shaq. They were like trying to discuss. I saw that. The, yeah. Yeah. OK. So you, you know what I'm talking about? And people were kind of like Candace Parker needs like a like she's like holding her own. And I remember Shaq was kind of like doing his usual like like oh I have five championships thing but like Candace Parker I remember was like talking circles around him and And they were like all kind of shocked by it yeah Yeah. like they didn't they were almost trying to challenge her but then she kept like proving herself over and over that she knew what she was talking about yeah and she's also not bad at basketball so I mean right like she knows what she's talking about Um, yeah but yeah I I did have one more ticket related question for you then we can talk to Mavs I, I know if you're listening, you're probably wondering where the Mavs talk is, but the ticket's a very special place in Dallas. So, I mean, we, we do have to talk some ticket first. Um, I had a question to you about uh, the transition with, because, uh, I mean, you've seen it firsthand, and it was obviously kind of thrown off by COVID and having to do the shows remotely, mm-hmm. uh, not in studio. So, obviously, Bob and Dan, Bad Radio was just a staple of the ticket. And then all of a sudden... Uh, Mike Reiner retires uh-huh. and Bob goes to the hard line and now and now Jake gets the promotion and it's Dan and Jake two-part question talk about like so maybe the main difference between Dan and Jake and Bob and Dan like their dynamic and the growth that you've seen from Dan and Jake over the last year because I personally like have, have loved the, the hang zone and I, I guess super bad radio is what it was for a while. Um, yeah. and, and I think and I've talked with my brother a lot. Cause like Jake's been at the ticket for forever started, started as an intern and now he's, he's has his own show. And like, it's been fun to like, listen to like Jake, like kind of mature as a broadcaster. Can you talk about like the transition for Dan and Jake too? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, bad radio was, the show that I probably listened to the most before I worked there, Bob and Dan uh, were just awesome together. You know, they just worked so well together as a team. They could anticipate what the other was going to say. They were, you had like the straight sports guy, albeit funny, like Bob's underrated funny, I think. Um, And then, and then you had Dan who was always kind of trying to throw him off course and then they'd have their fights and, 
that was always good radio. Yeah. And they, they were just awesome. Like I, I liked that show probably the most granted because they talked the most stars. Um, but I also just loved listening to the whole entire show, not just the stars talk. So when, and that, and that was probably what was most appealing to me about the job. I was doing weekends there and I didn't really know what I was doing with like my life or my career at that point, but I was like, oh, I'll just do weekends at the ticket and see what this is like. And then when TC left and I knew it would be, you know, I'd be getting to work on bad radio. I just thought that is cool. Like, cause that's yeah. a show that I listened to a lot and, I, you know, those guys cracked me up. So, so that was cool. And I loved working with them and they were like, so welcoming to me. Bob was great. I really was sad when he got moved off the show because I loved working with him. I felt like we had established a really good rapport and um, we liked talking stars hockey together. We had become pretty good friends. Um, But I was so happy for Jake, too, because I when I came into the show, like he was the producer and he had just like you said, been working, you know, his his butt off for a really long time, kind of waiting for that opportunity. And it's hard because it's an opportunity that you don't know is ever going to (laughs) come like you don't know if the opening is going to be there. And then if it is like you don't know that you're a shoe in or that you're going to get that job. So um, I had seen like how hard he had worked, even just the bit that I had been there. So I was thinking for sure, this is going to be his job, but none of us knew how it was going to happen. Like we knew we'd probably be a host, but none of us had any idea how the shows would change and the lineup would change. So when we heard that it would just be Jake sliding in with Dan, I was excited because I was, I was sad to not be working with Jake either. Like if he was going to go somewhere else, cause we were kind we're the same age, you know, we have both have young kids, same life experiences, um, and had like a good radio chemistry going. So I was like, Oh, this stinks. Like I could lose Jake and Bob. And I was really loving this show. Um, so the fact that Jake just slid in with Dan, I felt like was kind of seamless. They'd done a lot together, obviously with Jake as a producer, but Jake had also filled in as a host a lot too. Um, so that just kind of worked really well. And it's a really, it's a totally different vibe. I mean, it's a totally different show. Um, it's, I feel like more laid back, you know, um, but I don't know, more laid back, like maybe just a little more. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal fun laissez-faire like we don't know where this day is going to take us let's just talk and see what happens half the time and 
they're, um, they have a really good thing going and I'm happy that they've, you know, allowed me to be a part of it like they have and, um, that they let me just kind of be myself too. Cause with those two, I don't feel like I need to put on any sort of front. I can just be myself and laugh. And we have, you know, the dumb zone. It's like a big focus of our show. Yeah. Talk about things that people that we don't know about, but you know, we have fun with it. I'm like, there's a lot of things out there that people don't know about. I don't know why we all pretend like we know everything. Like, let's just talk about it. Like who knows? Some of us don't know how chickens lay eggs and things like that. Like, you know, so how much, uh, or how much a mortician makes or how much a mortician makes exactly, (laughs) which is way uh, lower than they should be making. (laughs) They should make a couple hundred thousand dollars to do that. Um, So yeah, just, just, you know, just, I feel like some of those are some of the most fun segments and the most fun we have is just kind of shooting the breeze and when you don't really have much of a plan. So I feel like that transition has gone as well as anybody could have hoped. Um, Jake's obviously killing it as a host. He should have probably been hosting a long time ago. So um, he was more of the job and uh, it's just been fun to be along for the ride. Yeah, I, I really do love how, uh, and again, this is not a shot at bad radio either. Like Bob and Dan were legendary together, but uh, I, I, I do enjoy in like, it's kind of created the Kemp spin bit, how like, Jake and Dan's cynicism play off of each other a right. lot because they're both extremely cynical people. Um, it's like their observations are. in general. Um, but to jump into some Mavs stuff, so unfortunately, our uh, the Mavs are going to be the the lone team that are going to get us through the the, uh, I know. the May June postseason run. Uh, we're not going to get a Stars postseason run, unfortunately. Uh, injuries and COVID and the crazy schedule shot him down. So it's all on the Mavs now. Um, I guess you want to talk about how how interesting it's been to watch, like, the perspective of, like, for you personally and people at the ticket and just, I guess, people in general, like, how the perspective of how people view Luca has changed. Because I feel like he's following this arc of, especially nationally, where, you know, he came out, he's a star player, everyone loves him. And then coming into this year, like people still love him. He's still great. But now there's like the, he whines too much at refs narrative. And I think that usually kind of happens with star players that come up, they come up, everyone loves them. And then people find something that pisses them off about him. And I feel like that's kind of happening with Luca. So I, I guess that's a first jumping point. How, how have, how's the perspective on Luca changed both locally and nationally in your opinion? I would say a lot I don't know. I was going to say, I would say, mm, hmm, it's kind of a hard thing to compare nationally and locally. Locally, I think he's still like everyone's hero. Um, I feel like the storyline about him whining so much and the storyline about, you know, the musers like at one point said, well, he came back uh, for this new season and he was kind of out of shape. It's like, these are people that have to talk about the Mavs every day and they have to come up with new storylines every day. Um, Luca's like as more than anybody could have ever hoped that he would be more than the Mavs probably expected to have once Dirk left. Right. Um, in my opinion, like he's perfect. <laughs> he's perfect. Like, yeah, I don't know what else we could want from somebody. I, I'm not bothered by the whining. He's passionate about the game. I'm glad that he's passionate about the game. You want, you don't want somebody 
that doesn't seem like they're into it or that they're trying as hard or is that they don't care about the outcome of the game. Um, the whining is talked about because people need something to talk about. Um, you know, if, if he gets enough technicals where he's like, you know, has to sit out a game and something happens in the playoffs. Well, yeah, then we can talk about it. Like if he's really hurting the team, but until he is, I don't really have time for the Luca bashing. Um, I feel like nationally, as far as I know, they still, I think he's getting the accolades that he deserves. Um, I think that everybody, um, it's kind of just that you don't know what he's going to do next and you can't believe it when he does it. It's like, oh my God, you know, and I love that he's getting those game ending three pointers or like that crazy ass shot from Memphis, you know, that just went viral on Twitter and you hear everybody, everybody weighing in on it. I love that. I love that for him. I love that he's so young and raw and real and has a long career ahead of him, hopefully here in Dallas. Um, I don't really have any Luca complaints. And like I said, I don't have time for people complaining about Luca. Yeah. And, and I also feel like people forget with his narrative that he's 22 years old. Like, yeah. like sometimes I, I, I forget that he's 19 months older than me. Like, <laughs> Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. crazy with his expe- expe- or, uh, expectations that he's had uh, throughout his career so far, like how they've been raised so much. Uh, did you have something, Isaiah? Yes, uh, you mentioned Dirk, and I just want to know your thoughts on watching Dirk just um, delivering that Dallas Mavericks the championship in 2011. Like, how did it feel watching Dirk win the championship for the Dallas Mavericks? Oh, my gosh. It's still, like, one of – the coolest things I've ever seen. I wasn't there um, in person, but I've followed the Mavericks since I was young, like since they were terrible, you know, in the early nineties. And um, my grandparents, my grandmother was a huge Mavericks fan and I'd always come over and I'd watch the Mavs with her. I'd watch the Rangers with her. I really credit her for a lot of like my love for sports actually. So um, I got to watch that whole season and the finals um, with her. So it was wonderful memories. Um, You love seeing that for Dirk, somebody that's just worked so hard, who's, you know, overcame a lot um, and was able to help Mavs fans in Dallas get there to the ultimate goal and uh, win the NBA title. It was so cool. So my girlfriend, one of my best girlfriends, um, her husband works for the Mavs. So when that happened, we actually were able to meet the team out at the bar afterwards and they brought the trophy. <laughs> Wait, you were at, you were at club live. Not the one in Miami, but once they came home. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was about- I'm, not, I'm not cool enough to go to club live, but um, once they came, <laughs> once they came back to Dallas, there was a bar here that I'm sure you guys don't know. Cause you're probably too young, but it was called the loon. It was an uptown Dallas. And uh, we used to go there like every Thursday and then like maybe a Saturday too. And the Mavs loved this bar. Um, and so sometimes you'd see the Mavs players there, but once they won, you know, Dirk, whenever the season would end, he would always go on like a Dirk bender. I don't know if y'all have heard about that, but Dirk, he loved to just like hang him up and like, he'd just go party for like a week. And sometimes they'd go out of town, they'd stay in Dallas, but the, the bender like started at the loon 
and they uh, brought the trophy with them. And I remember my girlfriend calling me and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. She's like, meet me at the loon and the Mavs are there and they've got the trophy. I was like, oh my God. You know, it was just like one of the coolest nights of my life was celebrating with them. They were all there, you know, I wasn't super like hanging out with them, but we did get like our picture with the trophy. And I mean, that was just like the best time to be here in Dallas. As we all know, like there haven't been a ton of titles in Dallas. Um, and there's some really passionate sports fans here. So to see everybody get to celebrate like that and to have somebody like Dirk, you know, kind of at the center of it all, somebody that uh, is just a really good dude has done a lot for the community and that everybody loves. Um, it was just the best feeling and you get, you take it for granted a little bit and think that like that might happen again soon. And then it doesn't, you know, but, um, I'm just so thankful that the Mavs did were able to accomplish that and that he was the one that got to do it. And hopefully Luca will be the next. I'm still very upset that he was not on the video game with Dwayne Wade. I mean, the, <laughs> still very upset. Dwayne Wade did not change the game for his position. And oh my God. Just you completely... know what the best part of it is? It's like Dirk's probably like, whatever. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, like, Dirk whatever. But we are like, care. it's a big deal. We I know. Up for Dirk. We're like an anger translator for Dirk because he knows we got his back. We, he, he knows. I kind of like what Keegan Michael was for Obama. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be your <laughs> translator. There you go. Shifting back to, to Luca, when it comes to the whining, I have a problem with it only when he allows it to get in the way of his team's play. He complains, yeah. but the other team's on the other side of the court in a fast break. Like, what are you doing? Like, Come on, we know it's not a secret. Newsflash, the refs in the NBA suck. Yeah. It's nothing new. So, I mean, hell, if we could swap European refs and American refs, that'd be cool. But, <laughs> I mean, when it everyone complains about, about officiating in NFL, in NBA, umpires in baseball, that wasn't even in the strike zone, all that stuff. I mean, there's going to be problems with it, but – trying to get into technical fouls and doing yeah. all this whining. I mean, that that is a down part of his game, but I only have a problem with it when it gets in the way of the team's success and the team's yeah. play. That's the and you can tell you can tell he knows it's he he's working on it, right? Like he addresses it and he says, I need to be better. I need to be better. But sometimes you just can't help yourself if you're passionate about what you do and the passion is what makes him so good. So I don't know. Like if he stops whining so much, would that take away from his intensity level and the way he plays the game? I don't, I don't, hopefully he'll mature enough to where he can do that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. You definitely don't want it detracting at all from the team and the team game or being distracting, which it might be. But with someone like that, I'm like, you just got to take the bad with the good. Cause he's doing enough good that I can tolerate that. Just like what Nate said, he's 22 years old. He needs to learn how to be a professional. I mean, right. say what you want in the Euro League. Nothing in the world compares to the media in America. That's yeah. just, that's the bottom line to it. And that's right. why, and I'll keep banging the table for it. That is why we need Kyle Lowry in Dallas to show this young kid the ropes of the game as a professional, how to carry yourself because Kyle Lowry's been the face of Toronto for I don't know how long. So for Luca to be 20 years old, he needs to grow up a bit again. And his play, his game, it'll mature as he goes on. I don't know what 
people like Skip or other people complain about his game. Dude, he's 22. Not everyone can shoot 90% from the field, 50% from the field goal range, and then 40% from three. No, right. Bring me a 22-year-old that did that in the league. I mean, yeah. you won't find much. Well, and it's hard because – I don't know. I feel like Luca needs to be a leader. Like he needs to be the leader. So I don't know what would happen if you bring someone in that's supposed to show Luca what to do or like show Luca the way, because he's going to be better than them. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe it would have been good if, uh, you know, Dirk was here another year. He might've been the best guy to do it. So maybe we bring him back. Luca would respect him, listen to him. And, and he knows how to communicate with the owner and the city of Dallas and everything else. Um, but I, I think Luca just needs to just gain that experience because we do look at him and hold him at a higher standard because he's so good, but yeah, he's just a young guy. He's learning the NBA and the ins and outs. And it's also weird because you, you do hear sometimes about how like yapping to the officials can make a difference, you know, like if you get in their head, then they don't make that call against you. And so it's, it's hard. You walk a fine line, you see it in every sport you see it in hockey and everything else. So like, if it, if he does say the right thing to them or they're like, God, I'm not going to call this foul because I don't want to hear him bitching at me anymore. Well, then he's, they're not calling the foul on him. So it's working. <laughs> um, so it's just interesting. Um, but, but yeah, he's a passionate dude. And, and uh, I like that fire. Absolutely. My next question was going to be about the team in this, hopefully this fifth seeded playoff run we're about to make. Um it here first we're winning the championship but oh in your <laughs> mind <laughs> in your mind what is the ceiling for this Mavs team when they reach the playoffs um that's interesting because I don't know I'm just from from the camp that you don't know what's going to happen once you get there Maybe it's because I've watched so much hockey and it's always like someone that goes all the way to the cup finals. It's usually someone that nobody's suspecting can do it, but there's a lot to be said for like having a hot hand or for getting on a roll or for, for, for streaking. Um, I think a guy like Luca and maybe a guy like KP, like can really turn it up once they get to the postseason. Maybe it's hard to find, you know, and oh, what was, last night a Tuesday night game in Memphis to get up for a game like that like um it's a grueling season it's a grueling schedule so I like to see how these guys kind of um transition once they get to the postseason and every single thing you do matters and every single game matters um that being said I don't know I mean who is like who is the heavy favorite in the west to win right now like I just feel like maybe it is a little bit wide open for them pretty wide open yeah the west yeah so so that's a good thing and the lakers aren't what everyone thought you know they were going to be they were going to be the one that you were going to have to somehow get to and be um so who knows i'm really i'm really still hopeful because i am overly optimistic about my Dallas sports teams that KP will come in and like be what they want them to be. I don't think there's a lot brewing there, you know, that people need to be up in arms about like when it comes to KP and his temperament and his relationship with Luca, like once the team starts winning, all of those things go away. Yeah, the guys, they, let that go. they, they'll let that go. And the guys win a round in the playoffs and they'll be that much closer. They'll be that much more confident. 
um, in everything that they have. And I think the Mavs have shown that they do have some role players that can provide the support that Luca needs. Um, they have one of the best coaches in the league. So I don't know. I'm not going to say there's a ceiling, but I'm not going to say they're going to win at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about how far they can go. I think it, I think it boils down to three things, right? When it goes, um, especially this season with the playoffs and the Western conference, I think it boils down to who do they play? Because, you know, the playoffs is a big chess game. Who makes the best adjustments? Who's hot? Um, second is, um, can KP stay healthy? Because last season, uh, we talk about it all the time, that Clippers series. Yeah. Um, if, if KP was healthy, what would have happened? Um, and then also. The series. That's what would have happened. Exactly. exactly. And then, then the last thing is, um, can Tim Hardaway keep that fire streak? Yes. Heading into the playoffs. Those are the three things for me. Yeah, you would have to hope so and think so. And I know it's hard for Rick Carlisle to manage the lineup when there have been so many guys in and out. And But I think yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. has shown that he can be that guy. Um, Jalen Brunson, you know, has shown that he can add scoring. Um, there are those guys there. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, like so good defensively, which is going to be a huge part of it especially depending on who you draw. I'm hoping we don't face the Clippers um, just because we've been there, done that. I didn't like that matchup. It didn't go well. Um, and maybe that would be in their heads more than anything else. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of mystery with this team, you know, like even as they've dealt with, or they had to deal with the COVID at the beginning of this season, they had to miss some games because of that. They weren't all on the floor together like they thought as much. Um, so best case scenario, you have everybody healthy and you can peak at the right time in the playoffs. Yeah, the, yeah this team isn't scared of L.A. I, I can I can pro- possibly promise that this team is not scared. That's good. Clippers, that. Now, getting into some of the, the Mavs roster, who who's your favorite like because I feel like every, Luca's everyone's favorite. Who's your favorite non-Luca Maverick? And it could be anything, be it like their backstory, be it their personality, be it you like how they play. Who, who's your favorite Maverick besides Luca? Because, and sorry, sorry if I steal your answer, but my, my personal favorite is Dorian Finney-Smith just because of his backstory and how he plays and everything. Who's, who's your guy on the, on the Mavs that's, whose last name isn't Doncic? Um, Dorian Finney-Smith is a good one. Um, they need somebody like him. You know, they, they need somebody who can be reliable defensively. Um, he also just seems like a really good dude. Um, I, I'm, because I've covered like sports and athletes for so long, I'm, I'm really drawn to somebody that has a good personality and it's hard for me to wipe that out and just think about them on the court when I know them or, or, you know, their story. Um, I think Jalen Brunson has a great story. He's added a lot, probably more than anybody expected. Um, so he seems like somebody you just kind of root for. Um, Willie Colley Stein was just awesome when they did have him on the ticket. Um, and hearing him just talk about his childhood and, and, uh, his background in art and uh, just how, you know, he's somebody you want to pull for, you want good things to happen for. Um, 
Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, same deal. Like you just hope that he can really begin to thrive here in Dallas. So I don't know. I'm so, uh, I'm so, when I watch the games, I watch Luca. Like it's just hard not to. He's so flashy and he's so good. But it is, it is interesting because he hasn't necessarily had like the number one guy that stepped up to kind of be the, the secondary scorer right behind him, you know, like, that you can really rely on. You've seen flashes of people doing that. And I know we all want that for KP. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I answered your question with like three or four different people, but it's because nobody's really like thrown themselves into that role. Um, but the good thing is, is it seems like it's all a bunch of really good dudes that maybe haven't meshed together as quickly as we all hoped, but they are meshing together. And like I said, I think they really can do that with a, a at least one round win in the playoffs and see what happens yeah you you kind of touched on it when you talked about like they're still like meshing together because like they're still young we had yeah. Derek Harper on a couple weeks ago and he talked about uh he was like this team has like everything they need they're just a young team trying to learn to grow and I'm not sure how much I agree with that I feel like I think they will need like a little bit better cast around Luca to go over the top but I mean Derek Harper knows a little bit more about basketball than I do so yeah. I'm going to take his word on it. Um, but yeah, they, they are like a young team that needs to mesh some more. And you, the other name besides Dorian that I, I was thinking of and you touched on was Jalen Brunson, just because he, you do want to root for him. And he does seem like a really fun personality in the locker room. His, his uh, vibes are immaculate bit that he does on Twitter. And uh, when you guys had him on, on the hang zone a, a, a few weeks ago, he was like a really interesting interview and he seemed yeah. like a really heady and smart guy that, would be everything you would want in your locker room. Yeah, exactly. You just want to see him kind of like take ownership of, of the opportunity that he has in front of him, and, and, but he's provided that he can do that and that he can score, and that's what this team needs too. So you just want to see it a little bit more consistently out of a few of these guys. Yeah, definitely. He, I, I remember there was, there was one, one of the funnier moments from Jalen was uh, at the beginning of the year when, he had, I guess he lost a bet with Luca and because he seems to be really close with, with Luca too, where yeah. they came in the same draft class and they lost that bet where he had a, he had a Jersey that, that said uh, he, cause he's from Philly. So he hates the Cowboys and he got him a Cowboys Jersey. That was number 77. And it said Luca's son. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I forgot about it's that. Like the, it's like those types of things that are really, really funny that, you like to see in a lot. Cause I mean, they don't have to like each other. I mean, you don't like, you don't want your whole team doesn't have to be best friends, but, right. uh, but they need to enjoy each other. And if yeah, they can exactly. have fun together, that's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. Um, one other question. So Michael has a question that he asks all of our guests uh, when they come on. Uh, he feels very, very strongly about this, particularly a certain team from Los Angeles. That's uh, whose colors are red and blue. Um, Michael, go ahead and ask your question that you love to ask all our guests. Julie, he said it. I asked this to everyone. Uh Uh, I know everyone. I'm always the competitive guy. Uh, So even Derek Harper said, man, the Clippers are strong. He'd like to face the Nuggets. Favorable matchup. I think Mavericks are better, even if they had Jamal Murray. Um, But I don't care. We're going to have to face the best at some point in time. So, why not beat him unless someone else eliminates the best <laughs> right unless you know beat him all right 
Uh, who in your mind standing right now, whether the Mavericks finish at five, six, seven, God forbid, eight, uh, who do you want to see the Mavs? Like, regardless of whatever happens, who do you want to see the Mavs play in the first round of the playoffs? Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, who we've been good against. Portland, we haven't – did we do well? I feel like we haven't done well against – Every Portland. game is, like, 160 points each team. Yeah, yeah. Dame scores 70 every time. Right, yeah, so you kind of want to stay away from that. I've, I've already said – 20 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I – I like you said, I don't think that the Mavs would be scared of the Clippers, but I just don't want to face uh, Kawhi in the playoffs. I don't want the Mavericks to have to like feel like they need to uh, have some sort of repeat of last season. All of the things, you know, just losing to them in the first round in the bubble and everything else. I feel like that can get in your in your brain and that can stay with you. The Jazz, you obviously we wouldn't be facing them anyways, hopefully. Um so I don't know. What does that leave? Like Denver, but Denver's scary. There's not a really good draw. Maybe, I mean, Phoenix, we haven't played well against this season, right? We yeah, lost all three. What? We lost all three. Right. Yeah. So so maybe Denver. I don't really yeah, have much Denver, like evidence Denver. to support that, yeah. but by process of elimination. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Denver, Denver is. Denver's the popular choice. I like that. I would love to face them, and I would possibly love to face Utah in the second round. But I'm not annoyed, but I just question why people go like, oh, I don't want to face that team. It's the playoffs. It's the best. Yeah. You're not going to have the Timberwolves in there. You're not going to face – oh, my. I'm scared for L.A. if they face Golden State in that play-in. But for the Mavericks, I've watched – Quite a few games. Haven't been able to watch all of them because this dumb TV deal that goes on and can't watch it. Yeah. Anymore. But this team has a fire in its eyes when it goes up against LA. It, it, it does. I understand Kawhi is great. Paul George doesn't scare me at all. We know what he represents in the playoffs. They're struggling with injuries. They're, In my opinion, they're not as deep as people want to say, but they are the league's leading three-point shooting team. But when it comes... Dallas has proven on many occasions when they play great teams, they step it up like to areas we did not think like, let's be honest. We, well, I'm not speaking for you, but in my opinion, where was the energy at in most games? But when they played against the Clippers, man, they're running sprinting. They're hitting shots. They're getting physical. They're bodying people up. And yeah, they do seem to play down to their opponents that aren't yes. as good as them. You know, it's like they're not getting amped up for those games, and you can tell. So that's a good point. Yeah, but Denver is preferably the yep. first matchup because I want to start winning some series, and then that'll get free agents to Dallas. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a little while since the Mavs have won a playoff series, but uh, I, I guess to we've been going for. Uh, pretty close to an hour here. Uh, want to let let Julie? We want to let you get on with your night. Uh, it was great having you on. Uh, talking yeah. ticket, talking Mavs. Um, it was great to have on a fellow Mizzou Tiger on, on the podcast. I, I I don't get to run into them very much in in the Dallas area, so uh, it was great to make that connection as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, it was great and. 
before we do let you go and and after I wrap up the the show, uh, we did kind of steal a little bit of the the bad radio bit where we get people's audio signatures. Uh-huh. Uh So uh, so yeah, we want we want to do that before we let you go. But again, uh, you can catch the the show on the on the Mavs fans for life Twitter at Mavs fans for life. You can catch me on Twitter at Nate underscore Sanch seventy seven. Michael, where can we get you on Twitter? At Underdog Sports Four. Isaiah, where can we get you on Twitter, man? At the Isaiah Nunez, I-S-I-A-H-N-U-N-E-Z. And the, the great site owner himself, Landon LT, the man with many nicknames. Where can we get you? Six Pound Lando. And uh, Julie, what's throw your Twitter out to the listeners as well. I am at Julie and Dobbs on Twitter. I'm going to follow all you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Again, Again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a really fun interview, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Sometimes, sometime down the line. Yeah. So, so again, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week on the Mavs Fans for Life podcast. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.